Good afternoon. So here we are beginning our third week of Easter. We're still singing our hallelujahs and rejoicing that Jesus Christ has indeed risen. But what do we do now? I mean, how does this Easter season change us? How do we live differently than we did before? And as we move through these 50 days of Easter, our readings throughout the week include sections from Acts of the Apostles, written by the same author who penned Luke's Gospel. Acts gives us insight into the early days of the church, in which we continuously hear how faith in Christ is shared and supported through Christian community and kinship and prayer. Likewise, the Gospels of the season recount for us these post-resurrection stories, which we just heard. Stories of Christ instructing his followers to go out and to preach the Gospel in his name. Tell us how the disciples were transformed, how they were changed within, how they acted in a new way, how they experienced metanoia, how they left the upper room filled with the Holy Spirit and went forth proclaiming the good news of Jesus the Christ, living a life not perfectly, but one filled with holiness. So how can we follow the paths taken by these first disciples? How do we use this Easter season and gain focus and direction within our lives and our faith? And what does it mean to live and lead a holy life? Well, the timing of the Easter release of Pope Francis's latest ex- exhortation is by no accident. It's entitled, Rejoice and Be Glad. And in its preface, the Pope indicates he has written this document in order to, quote, repropose the call to holiness in a practical way for our own time with all its risk, challenges, and opportunities, unquote. So let me kind of scratch the surface and highlight just a few of the comments and recommendations the Pope wrote for you and me in considering how we can lead a holy life of discipleship. He began with the basic and most fundamental part of holiness, the call for us to be ourselves. He writes that while the lives of saints are examples to inspire us, they are not meant to be copied. That, quote, the important thing is that each believer discerns his or her own path so that they can bring out the very best of themselves rather than hopelessly trying to imitate something not meant for them, unquote. Or as Thomas Merton said, for me to be a saint means to be myself. Or in the words of St. Francis de Sales, be who you are and be that perfectly well. And to do this, the Pope makes a point that one does not need to be a bishop or a priest, much less a deacon or any particular religious, for we're all called to be a saint by living our lives with love and bearing witness to God in everything that we do. Which he explains means going through our days with integrity and honesty and service to others. And he gave examples like raising a child, caring for the elderly, going to your school, doing your job, and my personal favorite, being a grandparent and patiently teaching the little ones 
how to follow Jesus. The Pope warns against distractions that make us deaf to God when he wrote, quote, The presence of constantly new gadgets, the excitement of travel, and the endless array of consumer goods leaves no room for God's voice to be heard. We're overwhelmed by words, by superficial pleasures, and by an increasing din, filled not by joy, but rather the discontent of those whose lives have lost meaning. How can we fail to realize the need to stop this rat race and to recover the personal space needed to carry on a heartfelt dialogue with God? Unquote. He reminds us of our need to continue our defense of the unborn. Quote, for at stake is the dignity of a human life, which is always sacred and demands love for each person. But then he quickly goes on and reminds us that equally sacred are the lives of the poor, those already born, the destitute, the abandoned, the underprivileged, the vulnerable, new forms of slavery, meaning all those who face every type of rejection. Quote, this is what Jesus demands from us. In welcoming him, the stranger, we welcome him, unquote. Indeed, this latest ex- exhortation from our Pope is filled with great joy and insight into what is a continuing unfolding of the wisdom born at the Second Vatican Council some 50 years ago. For he encourages us to, quote, not be afraid of holiness, as you will become what God had in mind when you were created, and that while our primacy belongs to our relationship with God, we cannot forget that the ultimate criteria on which our lives will be judged is what we do for others, unquote. See, this is metanoia. This is the change that we are called to this Easter and every Easter. It's why we're told to repent all through Lent and even in the first and the first reading in the gospel that we just heard. But the problem is, is that we operate under this faulty understanding of repentance as we beat our chests, reciting through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. For it's so much more than that. Leading linguistic experts have written so much on this one word and have come to the conclusion, quote, that translating the Greek word metanoia to mean repent is a linguistic and theological tragedy and the worst translation in the New Testament, unquote. See, the true literal translation of metanoia means change your position, change your mental attitude, a physical turnaround, a life-changing moment, a mighty change in mind and heart and life wrought by the Spirit, a seeing with a new set of eyes. For until we can change the way we see, we can't see anything new. See, we need to have our eyes opened in order to recognize that the divine truly dwells within our imperfect self. The holy is not out there, over there, somewhere else. It's right here, right now, in you and in me, without exception. That's why we begin our Easter season liturgies with the sprinkling rite, using waters from the baptismal font to remind us that we all have this calling to be holy by being who we are for others. 
For when we were baptized, we were called disciples of Christ. We were anointed with that sacred chrism and reminded that just as Christ was anointed priest, prophet, and king, so are all of we. And we live as a member of Christ's body, sharing everlasting life. For what we celebrate this Easter season is, yes, Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. But also we celebrate that all of us, young and old, are all the body of Christ. We are all temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the place where the divine dwells, for we have the same gifts that were bestowed on the disciples in the early days. And so it is with this indwelling, this belonging, this kingship with Christ, that we are all called to this table and to remember him through our welcoming and gathering and breaking and blessing and eating and sharing that we do in memory of him. It's why we come together each week, why we gather together and share our Eucharistic meal that nourishes us as disciples so that we can go forth, people living through metanoia, striving to be who we are, holy in God's sight, and ministering to others through forgiveness, nourishment, and healing.